Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today is Meeting Life's Challenges. Meeting Life's Life's challenges, Joshua 11, 1 to 7. And we're going to talk about some spiritual battles today here in the book of Joshua. And really, Christmas, uh, there's lots of battles at Christmas time, isn't it? A lot of times we think, oh, peaceful Christmas, and it's so nice, and we've got the kids in, up front, which is beautiful. But there's lots of battles, right? We probably all have had our share of Christmas battles. Getting a tree up is a battle, right? <laughs> Getting the tree up. Putting these decorations up and down every week, I'm sure, is a battle for our, our decoration team. They've, they've done an amazing job. But, but getting the tree up, I don't know about you guys, but at the house, we always get the tree up. It's like, oh, you got it up, right? Or keeping it up at our house is a battle. In fact, a couple years ago, uh, I asked Elizabeth if I could tell this story. She said it's okay. Uh, a couple years ago, we were all sitting around watching one of our Christmas specials. It was a peaceful night, and also we heard this big crash, you know, and the tree, for the first time, the tree went down. It really went down. The cats, you know, the cats were climbing and playing on it, and together they brought it down, like bringing the wildebeest down. They brought the tree down, right? And uh, they, they brought it down, and it was it was horrible. It was, the glass was shattered all over. The water was spilled out of the, you know, the bucket. And, and, and needles everywhere. And my train, you know, was, you know, under the tree. And it was terrible. And we were like, oh, so we, Kim was, you know, she has nothing else to do. It gave her something to do. So we got, we got, we got the tree back up and got the water in and vacuumed and cleaned up glass and needles and redecorated the tree. Just what you always dream of, right? Uh, redecorating the tree. And I got this big, heavy rope. Ugly, heavy rope. I don't care what it looks like. This tree's not going down again. These cats are not going to take the tree down again. So I put this rope and I put it around the railing of the steps there. And, and it, it looked horrible, but there's no way that tree was going down. Have at it, cats. But uh, the next day was the ladies' potluck. Some of you might remember that. The ladies' potluck, uh, ladies' Bible study potluck. And Elizabeth was walking across the room right next to the tree, and she tripped. And she tripped, Elizabeth tripped, fell into the tree and grabbed it (laughs) to break her fall. And the tree didn't fall over. The tree, you remember Yoshi, you were right there. It didn't fall over. Elizabeth fell down softly with these bows breaking her fall and everything was fine. She didn't get hurt. And it's all because those cats knocked the tree down the day before. Otherwise, Elizabeth would have been under that tree, you know, with glass all over her, right? God knows. Somehow he knows, he knows, he knows. Christmas battles. Maybe you've had to battle through Christmas this season. Maybe it's depression or grieving or financial struggles or job. Maybe it's loneliness, family conflict with your marriage or your kids. Maybe it's sickness or even death that you're facing. We're going to see that the first Christmas was quite a battle too. We're going to get to that toward the end here. And it led to the ultimate battle. The ultimate battle, Christmas, is what it led to. But first, I want to look at the book of Joshua 
and its implications for us. There's some spiritual battles here in chapter 11, which we're on, and its implications for us because don't forget, the book of Joshua, although they're fighting for a land, it's all a physical picture of the spiritual battles that we're facing. It's all a type, a picture, a physical picture of spiritual realities that we have to go through. That's what, it, that's what it's all about. Now, we saw last week that they just had all these big, big victories. Big victories. Everything was going great. They returned to Gilgal for R&R. Remember, the military gets their R&R. They got their R&R. But now we come to a screeching halt to the peaceful time. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the worship today. We thank you for the kids and the program. We thank you for all the ways that we see you work in our life. Even when life comes crashing down, that somehow there's a purpose and a plan. We pray that your spirit would speak to us now through your word. And if anyone doesn't know you, they've never put their faith in you, that today would be the day that they receive that special gift at this Christmas time. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so let's pick it up here. What happens? All this peaceful stuff, you know, all these victories and, and moving forward and rest and time. And we come to Joshua 11, the very next verse, verse 1. When Jabin, king of Hazor, heard of this, he sent word to Jobab, king of Madon, to the kings of Shimron and Axphah, and to the northern kings who were in the mountains, in the Arabah south of Kinnereth, in the western foothills, and in Naphoth Dor on the west coast, to the Canaanites in the east and the west, to the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Jebusites, in the hill country, and to the Hivites below... Hermon and the region of Mitzvah, they came out with all their troops and a large number of horses and chariots. A huge army as numerous as a sand on the seashore. All these kings joined forces and made camp together at the waters of Mikram to fight against Israel. The Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid of them. Because by this time tomorrow, I will hand all of them over to Israel, slain. You are to hamstring their horses and burn their chariots. So Joshua and his whole army came against them suddenly at the waters of Merom and attacked them. So, victory after victory, everything's going great. R&R at Gilgal, and what happens next? They're attacked. And not just attacked, but it's the big one. It's the big attack. This is, this is the big one. This battle is different from all other battles that they fought so far since they entered the promised land because this is the first time that the Israelites are directly attacked. Did you know that? We're all, here, all the way here in chapter 11. It's the first time that they're attacked because up till now, they've been on attack. They've been the ones doing the attacking. Remember Jericho and Ai? They were the ones who attacked those cities. The Gibeonites... The Gibeonites, when they were attacked, it was the Gibeonites who were attacked, and the Israelites came to help the Gibeonites. And then in chapter 11, we saw this whole big offensive. But here, here for the first time in the book of Joshua, the Israelites are attacked, and it's the big one. It's the Battle of the Bulge. They're attacked, and it's, it almost set them back. It was a really, really big one. And this lesson is for us. Remember, this is all a picture of us. This lesson is for us. We crossed the Jordan River. 
We cross the Jordan River, that's when we become, a, we become a Christian. That's when we say, God, I believe Jesus died for me, for my sins. I put my faith and trust in Him. I give my life to Jesus. The moment we do that, we cross the Jordan River, the river of judgment, the river of death. We cross it by stepping, by a step of faith, just like they took a, a step of faith following Joshua. We put faith in our Joshua and Jesus Christ. And we, we cross that river and we experience the miracle of salvation. And as soon as we cross that, amazing things happen. As soon as we put our faith in Christ, amazing things happen. Just like when they crossed the Jordan, what happened? The walls of Jericho came crashing down. The same thing happens when we become a Christian. Remember, things just, things just happen. It's crazy. The walls come down. The sins and strongholds come crashing down. So many things that, that we're set free from at salvation. Not everything, we talked about that last week, right? Not everything, but the walls come crashing down. And then we're moving forward spiritually. We're moving forward spiritually. And that's why I say not everything. There's a sanctification process too, that lifelong battle. But then we're moving forward spiritually, just like Israelite, Israelites in chapter 10, wiping on this huge offensive to wipe out the sins and strongholds of the enemy in their, in their life. And they're, we're moving forward spiritually, just like the Israelites, we're enjoying this peace, this joy, and then suddenly we're attacked. Remember when the honeymoon was over? After, you, after the, Maybe it was a month after you became a Christian or two months, and you're just so excited, and all of a sudden, wham! Wait, what's this? It, we, then suddenly we're attacked by the flesh, by the devil, by the world. And this is a very important lesson for us, that we need to expect spiritual attacks, especially after victories, especially after taking a stand for Jesus Christ. As soon as we do that, you better re we really need to expect the attacks and be on our guard and depend on God's grace. Someone I'm thinking of we should be praying for is Carson Wentz. He's taking a big stand for Christ. Did you notice that? He gets hurt and he says, he says Jesus has a purpose and he gives his beautiful testimony and already you're starting to see the attacks, the arrows flying. Pray for him. He took a stand for Jesus Christ. A strong one. If you haven't seen it, I sent it out. Google it. You know, look, look at the things that he's saying. But that's a picture of every one of us. When we take a stand for Jesus Christ, we're going to be attacked. And expect the attacks, not just the attacks, but expect the attacks to increase in frequency and intensity as we grow spiritually. As we move forward deeper into to, to spiritual victory, as we fight more battles, expect increase in frequency and intensity. Why? Because Satan wants to knock us down and he wants to take us out. And not only that, the flesh is the other thing we're fighting here. The other one, the flesh will do anything to survive. Now, we know at salvation, we crucify the old man. That sinful self, right? We crucify the old man. But yet, even though... It's, our old self has been crucified with Christ, we're still commanded to crucify him on a daily basis, that old self. You know why? Because it's, we, we, it's like a zombie. You know the zombies, they're dead. But what happens? The next day, they're out looking for some of the attack. And that's the sinful self. Even though it, it's the walking dead. Our old self is like a spiritual zombie. It's the walking dead. It's been dead, but every morning you've got to kill it again. Kill it again every day. It's, a, it's every day. You have to kill it. And not only that, the world also goes on the attack. As we grow, 
and we start to really live for Jesus Christ, the world will attack us. If you are not being attacked by the world for your faith, you're not living it. Guaranteed. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Philippians 3.12, I think. At least I remember the verse, right? It's, it's a guarantee. If we are living for Jesus Christ and we're moving forward, we will be attacked by the world. And I'm telling you, if you're not being attacked by the world, if you're comfortable in the world, you're lukewarm. You're nothing but a spit Christian. I'll spit you out of my mouth. And that's the truth. We will be attacked. In fact, Jesus promises this. If we truly live for him, in John 15, 18, he says this. John 15, 18 says, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name. For they do not know the one who sent me. If we are living for Jesus Christ, we will be hated by the world. And why? Because the ones who are persecuting Christians and connect the dots, it's happening all over the world, do not know the one who sent Jesus. They're worshiping, following a different God around the world. And that goes for other religions, that goes for a lot of people in the United States today that, yeah, that are anti-Christ, that, that are working against Christ constantly, against his word. They don't know the one who sent Jesus. That's why they hate us. And that's important because in our country today, we're seeing the effects, not just here, around the world, but it's even happening in the United States. It's coming here. We have to expect the attacks. We have to expect the attacks and for the trials and challenges to grow tougher as we mature in our faith. Very important. As we mature in our faith, expect the attacks and the trials and the challenges to grow tougher. Ouch. Ouch. Nothing to look forward to, is it? (laughs) But why does God allow that? Because he's preparing us for fruit and he's preparing us for heaven. That's why he lets us go through this. This isn't the destination. This isn't where we're going to end up. This isn't the end of it. He's doing this to, to prepare us for heaven and also to bear fruit, to bear more fruit in our life. And the more fruit we bear, the more he has to work and give us more challenges. In fact, in John 15, 1-2, it talks about uh, pruning. John 15, listen to this. I am the vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. But while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You ever prune a tree? I know Josh does a lot of that pruning back there. Pruning hurts. You're cutting off branches. It hurts, but it's, it's what produces more fruit. And that's what God does to us. It's painful, but it's necessary to increase our fruitfulness. And, and not only does he let us, not only does he prune us, but he lets us be sifted, which is also very, very difficult. In Luke 22, in Luke 22, verse 31, it says, listen to what the devil wants to sift Peter. 
and Jesus says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Not only are we pruned, but God lets us be sifted by Satan. He allows it, but he controls it. He's in total control of the knife. He's controlling the whole surgery. And the result is we end up stronger. And we're able to encourage other people spiritually. We do the same thing with our kids, don't we? If they're, if they're say, math class. I'll use math. Math class, once they learn how to add and subtract, we say, okay, that's good. You're, you're done. That's all you're going to need. Now, then you've got to learn how to divide. Then you've got to take algebra. Then you've got to take whatever they take now. They're way beyond me. So, they, you know, they, you, just, you just keep... We keep pushing our kids, whether it's math or whatever it is. We push them because we want them to reach their what? Potential. We want to reach a potential. Athletics. If, you're, uh, if your kid is uh, playing baseball and you're teaching them how to play and you play t-ball, you put the ball on the tee. They can hit it off the tee. After they finally learn to hit it off the tee, do you say, okay, that was nice. That's good. You can, you can stop. Now, then you start pitching it underhand. Then you're pitching it overhand, you know? And, 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 and then it goes on and on. And, and we, we keep pushing them because we want them to reach their potential. And that's what God is doing with us. He doesn't want us to stay baby Christians or toddler Christians or, or even teenage Christians. He wants us to grow to full maturity. And he allows, that's why he allows these challenges in our life. That's why he allows them. Are we ready to reach our potential? Are we ready to face bigger challenges? Are we handling each challenge better? <laughs> you know, do we handle it better? Or are we still, ah, you know, like a baby, right? Every time something, you know, God puts something in our life or allows something in our life. Or are we handling it better every time? Are we, handling, are we looking for, not at the challenge, the pain of the challenge, but are we looking for the fruit that God is trying to accomplish, trying to bear in our life? Are we focusing on that? Is that what our focus is on? Another important lesson, I wrote the second one, the last one here, is that when we're attacked, we're going to be attacked, expect them, expect increasing attacks, but when we are attacked, we need to go on the attack. Go on the attack. Joshua 11, I'm just going to, verses 6 to 7. We already read it. I'm going to read it to you again, these last couple of verses. Look what happens. The Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid of them, because by this time tomorrow I will hand all of them over to Israel slain. You are to hamstring their horses and burn their chariots. So Joshua and his whole army came against them suddenly at the waters of Merom and attacked them. And in a couple weeks, get past Christmas here, we're going to get back to this and see the great victory that God worked here. But, but they just had, had this huge offensive took all this land, and then they're attacked. But, but that, the important thing to remember is when we're attacked, go on the attack. If we want to hold on to our spiritual gains, just like they had all these gains in the land, if we want to hold on to our spiritual gains, we must fight to keep them. We must fight to keep them. 
Just like Israel on this offensive in chapter 10. And now, if we, if we have a battle with temptation and we see victory in our life, you know, I hope we're seeing progressive victory in our life, right? We're seeing that. There's no, there's no letting down our guard because the moment we let down our guard, we're going to be hit hard. Right? We, when we lead someone to Christ, we lead someone to Christ, that's, you know, you, you help them become a Christian. They pray the prayer of faith. They, they become a Christian. That's just the start. That's just the start. It's awesome. It's super. But it's just the start. Now you have a baby Christian to take care of. Right? Babies are a lot of work. And a baby Christian is a lot of work. We can't just like, okay, get out in the street and survive. No, we have to take care of them. We, we help someone break free of Satan's power in some way. Some, some serious addiction or something that Satan has got a grip on them. But after we help them break free of Satan's power, now we're going to have to really fight and really teach them how to fight to keep their freedom. If you're on a mission trip or, or a, a retreat and you're on this spiritual high, and, we, and I talk about this a lot, we come back from that spiritual high, well, we better stay in the Word and close to Jesus Christ or we're going to get knocked down off that high, aren't we? Very quickly. Very, very quickly. With the church... Whenever, whenever we start to see God working, I just remember when we started the church, all these great things were happening, we got attacked. Uh, every time we start to see fruit or people coming to Christ, I just brace myself and, and, and get ready because I know the attacks are coming and we're going to have to fight to keep the gains that we've made. We're going to have to fight to help those who are new Christians not to get discouraged and not to, not to quit and not to bail out. We're going to have to really fight for that. It's like the book of Acts. You read the book of Acts. Every time God starts to work, what happens? There's persecution. Wham! Every time God starts to work, persecution. Satan attacks. Every time. But, but notice what the apostles do. They don't go into a bunker. They don't go hide out. They go on the offensive. We need to pray for the grace not to go into the bunker mentality, but that we are on the offense. Remember what Jesus said? I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Gates don't move. We move. Gates don't move. They're stationary. We move. We're on the offense. It's very, very important. But what gives us the courage to face these increasing attacks and to go back on the offensive when we're being attacked, what, when we're getting hit? What gives us the, the, the grace and the encouragement to do that? It's the promises. Verse 6. We just looked at the promise that G the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid of them, because by this time tomorrow I will hand all of them over to Israel slain. You are to hamstring their horses and burn their chariots. We have the promises of God. We are promised victory. That's what gives us the grace to, when we're attacked to go on the attack. We're promised victory. We are not... Now, notice I didn't say we're promised easy. We are not promised easy. We are not promised comfort. The Holy Spirit's comfort in the midst of the battle, yes. But we're not promised a comfortable life. We're not promised a Hallmark Christmas. I love the Hallmark Christmases, but it's always a happy ending. We're not promised a Hallmark Christmas or Hallmark life. We're not promised health and wealth. There's two churches out there that teach this heresy. We're not promised health and wealth. But we are promised in every battle, we are promised God's grace. And we're promised ultimate victory. We may not see that ultimate victory until heaven someday. But we will see ultimate victory. There's Christians being 
killed all over the world. I just saw in the news this morning a church in Pakistan was bombed. Attacked. People were killed and wounded for their faith. Those people are, some of them, eight of them were dead. Did they see victory? Here? No. But you better believe they're seeing it there. That's the end game. Here is preparing us for there. We will see complete victory. And you look at the first Christmas. That's a picture of what I'm talking about. The first Christmas is is exactly what we're talking about here. You talk about battles and attacks increasing. Jesus being born. The world didn't want him. There was no place for him. He was born in a barn. Because the world didn't have room for him. And Satan tried to stop Jesus from being born and growing up, didn't he? He tried to kill him. He tried to use King Herod to murder him while he was a baby. And the battles increased in intensity for Jesus. If you study his life, they increased in intensity. After his baptism, he was, went out and, and, and fought against Satan and tempted for 40 days in the desert, the temptation in the desert. And right after that, the religious leaders and the political leaders opposed him at every turn. If you take a stand for Christ, you're going to be opposed by religious leaders and political leaders. At every turn. But Jesus never backed down from his purpose. He battled them every step of the way until he finally fought them in the biggest battle of all, the battle on the cross. Where he was crucified on the cross. And yet he faced it. He faced it. He knew it was his father's will and so he was able to face the cross and because of the cross what looked like was a a defeat was really his ultimate victory what looked like to the world and even to satan as a defeat for jesus was his ultimate victory because after the cross came the resurrection the resurrection where he proved he had won the victory over sin, where he proved he had won the victory over Satan, where he proved he won the victory over death itself, the scariest enemy of all. And that will be our final total victory if we have put our faith in Jesus Christ, our resurrection with Jesus Christ. That's our final total victory, is our resurrection with Jesus Christ. So if you're facing a battle this Christmas, you're in good company. Because that's all Jesus faced his entire life, right? What battle are you facing this Christmas? As we go to this, we're going to go to prayer in a few moments. What battle are you facing? Is it really, really tough? Really, really tough? then guess what? You must be really growing spiritually. Right? Look to see what God is doing because that increasing intensity and frequency means God is really accomplishing something in our life. Look, focus on what he's trying to accomplish. And don't quit. Don't give in. Don't go into the bunker mentality. 
Go on the offensive. Take spiritual ground. When you are really going through it, that's the time to take spiritual ground. That's the time. I, I was, I'm reading a book right now, and it's totally reminded me of that. I'm just reading this chapter this week. Uh, it's called Killing England. And it's the Revolutionary War. And I was reading it, and, and, I, and I'm reading, just this week, I'm reading about Washington crossing the Delaware, which I know they're going to do the reenactment down the road here uh, soon, uh, if they have enough water. But anyway, the, uh, the, the crazy thing about that, and the thing we don't even begin to grasp, is the war was over. There no, was no war. Washington and his army had been beaten to smithereens. They had nothing left except his right tag group of barefoot soldiers. It was over. So what does Washington do? He goes on the offense. The last thing the British imagined possible. He goes on the offense. He crosses the river Christmas Eve in a blizzard Unbelievable story. Marches down to Trenton, leaving a trail of blood because these guys don't have shoes. And they win a battle, an impossible battle, that ultimately wins the war. If you look at history, if you see how did we win the Revolutionary War, it's because of Washington crossing the Delaware, going on the offense. Without him doing that, we wouldn't be here today. Not, at least not part of the United States. And we'd also be speaking with a funny accent, <laughs> drinking tea all the time. I'm a, I have a lot of English blood. I'm just having fun here. But, but we, there'd be no country. There'd be no country if George Washington doesn't go on the offense. And this is a picture of what happened in Joshua. This is a picture of what happened with Jesus at Christmas. This is a picture of what God is trying to teach us, that each one of us someday is going to be talking about our spiritual history, and hopefully it's going to be in heaven. I hope every one of us here or is hearing this is, is going to be in heaven remembering our spiritual history and, and we're all going to look back someday at this very moment and we're going to look back at when our faith was under attack did we move forward we're going to look back and see how God was working in our life in those challenges that we're facing Every one of us. 
Maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian yet. But I hope, hope someday you will also be in heaven looking back that this was the, the day that you put your faith in Jesus Christ. That this Christmas was the Christmas, 2017. In eternity someday. You'll look back at 2017 when there was such a thing as time. And that's when you gave your life to Jesus. That's when you received his gift of life. Let's pray. Have you ever received that gift? John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Have you ever received that gift? You can receive it right now. Because life here and life forever with Jesus is not something you have to pay for. It's not something we can earn. It's only something we can receive by faith. It's just a prayer of faith. God, please forgive my sin. Forgive everything wrong I've ever done that goes against your word and your will for me. I don't want that life anymore. I walk away from it. I repent of that life. Forgive me because I'm putting my faith in Jesus. I believe he died for me in my place on that cross. I put my faith my trust, my hope in Him. I give my life to Jesus. If you've prayed that prayer of faith, you have just received a gift. Wait till you open it. It's a brand new life. A life in Jesus Christ. And it never ends. 
it just carries on into heaven someday. And you'll never forget this day. If you prayed that prayer of faith, I want to encourage you to talk to somebody about it. Maybe have a family member or friend here that you could talk to. Maybe you talk to me on the way out. Fill out the card and stick it in the box. Text me, call me. Let somebody know. Because we're going to be really excited and encourage you in many ways in your new life in Christ. For those of us who have already put our faith in Christ, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Maybe we're facing some very serious challenges in our life. And our prayer is, God, what are you trying to teach me? Instead of trying to get out of it or self-medicate ourselves or escape it, say, God, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to do in my life? What is the fruit you're trying to bear? What are you trying to refine out of me? How are you growing me through this? Maybe the Holy Spirit's speaking to us because, because of the challenges that we're facing. We have just pulled back or quit, got discouraged. Maybe there are hard questions we just couldn't answer and we just gave up on it all. And the Holy Spirit's moving in us to move forward in this attack to go on the attack to grow in some way in our life or, or say, God, well, how are you trying to grow me? Or how are you trying to use what I'm going through to impact other people? Just like we're saying with Carson Wentz. How are you using my trial and my faith to impact other people? Father, we thank you for sending Jesus I pray that this week, this Christmas season, this life, people could see Christ in us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.